On this episode of AV Week, we take a look at the polymorphic workplace of tomorrow. Zoom has auto update features and whether or not that's a good idea. And the SEN top 50 integrators globally. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 537, recorded Friday, December 3rd, 2021. Cow spotting. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment. And by Atlona, the go-to provider for AV signal distribution and control in corporate, higher education, and residential spaces. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. First and foremost, her name is Lex Peters. She's fantastic and awesome. She works for USC uh, Fight On, I believe is what I'm contractually uh, uh, obligated to say by Mr. Joe Way. Yes. Uh, she also has her own, uh, own, own business helping folks with marketing and, and stuff like that. So welcome, ma'am. Thank you so much. Uh, also with us is our buddy and pal, uh, Mr. Brock McGinnis, uh, who I've learned so much from, from Nationwide up in Toronto. Welcome, sir. Always good to be here, Tim. Uh, and Mark, Brock and I actually, yes, we did. If you're watching the video, we did uh, call each other beforehand and coordinated our, our matching striped blue shirts. So, Purple. 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 His is purple. Mine is blue. I'm colorblind. Uh, <laughs> but not least, uh, Mark Pescatore. Mark is, uh, is not brand new to the industry. I don't want to missay that, but he is the brand new uh, content director for SCN. Uh, so welcome, sir, and welcome, uh, I guess, back to AV. Thank you so much. Can we throw a Roll Tide in there? Oh, I, uh, no, sorry. I'm a, I'm a Bulldog fan. I'm, sorry. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a UGA fan, so I, I Well, cannot... this has been fun, guys. I want to thank you all for having me here. And... <laughs> so, so our buddy uh, Jeremy Glowacki, who who used to work work at Future, he and I are both UGA fans. So you you, I, I am enjoying this year. Let's just put it that way. Absolutely. Uh, if you if you're not a a, a football a college football fan, um, Roll Tide has typically topped the uh, the uh, the the charts, and now uh, they are number what three now? Oh, uh, who knows. It all, all that matters is where we it are at the end. It doesn't matter now, right? Because uh, Mark and I actually get to hang out this week. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, it'll be this week. EveningNetworkNation.com um, is where you can find us. Uh, he and I are, are hanging out with our buddy, uh, Cindy Davis, for uh, a virtual event that we did this time last year. Uh, so we're re- renewing that. All sorts of really great folks uh, coming on to talk uh, with me, with Cindy, with Mark. So you can register there at avnetworknation.com. Uh, so first story uh, actually comes to us from, from Mark's fine publication. Uh, the, we, the yearly uh, SCN uh, Top 50 System integra- uh, Integrators uh, was published this week. List adds seven new firms. A uh, couple of, of interesting pieces. Number one, uh, the first vi- billion-dollar integration firm. I would say the second one as well, and I'll explain what what I mean by that in a second. Uh, technically, they are not listed as a billion dollars, but they're getting there. Uh, just like the 2020 list, uh, this list averages out revenue from the last two years prior to COVID. Uh, Mark, you guys uh, actually listed out the annual revenue, right? Uh, from that, it was self-reported. It, it, this is, and we'll get to that. What that, why that matters in a second. Um, but you know, the last couple of years, because of COVID and everything, you guys are averaging. Top firm again is AVI SPL with 1.1 billion in revenue. 
Diversified sits at 900 million. Now, that's the one that I would say, had it been on a year over year, they probably would have hit a billion. I could be wrong, but they may have, right? Um, the top five rounds out with uh, Kinley, uh, AVI Systems, and Ford AV. Applied Global Technologies from Kennesaw, Georgia, uh, is the, the 50th. Um, the AVI SBL sits at 1.1 billion. Applied, though, is at 10.5 billion. And we'll talk about that, that kind of uh, spread in a second. Lex, I want to start with you. Uh, Lex works for USC, 100% uh, a client, a customer of, of a lot of these folks. When you look at lists like this, and you look at the top 50 in, in the U.S., and then actually the top 50 uh, kind of globally now, what does this, this list do for customers like you when you look at you know, hiring somebody for a job? Well, to be honest, I feel like I've always really loved lists. And so if I'm looking at a, like a potential, then I think, first of all, I would... I would pick them based on our relationship with them and um, kind of the discussions we've had together. But um, this is a good um, list that kind of solidifies where they are and shows how much work that they've done and how it reflects in their revenue every year. So this is a great way to kind of solidify our choices, but I don't think it's an end all to everything. Um, we're a big believer in underdogs and um, I think a lot of companies are doing some really cool things um, with the UCC technology and everything. So um, not the end-all be-all, but this list is so cool and it and it's great to see them on it. Does it introduce you to anybody new? Like you're like, oh, you're looking for the list and number 10 or number 13 or number whatever. Uh, I've never heard of them, but maybe I'll check them out. Or does that just not even figure in? Oh, to me, absolutely. But I'm also pretty new to the industry coming in on like five years, I think. I still have a lot to learn. Um, but... I could imagine that my director and um, the higher ups are quite familiar with a couple of these. But then I also think that, you know, AV is thriving in the pandemic. So um, I'm sure there are some new ones that um, are up and coming that um, we're not as aware of. And that's an exciting opportunity. All right. Mr. McGinnis, you and I, I, I somewhat joke, but it, obviously Brock tends to fall around the time that I do this list every year. And we've had this conversation every year. We've had this conversation before. There, this, and I mentioned the fact that this is a self-reported list, right? Mark and his team does not have access to, to financials of AVI systems or AVI SPL or anybody else. This is self-reporting. Uh, this is the first year that I have to, to make a, a slight um, uh, disclosure. Uh, I work for CTI. We did not submit, right? Um, so, Brock, from, from your perspective, and, and you've worked for some that have and some that haven't, why would a company uh, self-report or why would a company choose not to? So the, uh, the choosing to report is easy. This is fantastic marketing. And uh, my LinkedIn feed uh, over the course of the, the past week has been absolutely filled with, with people thanking their employees uh, for their dedication and, of course, all the money that uh, uh, all the money they made. And it's, it's, it's terrific. I mean, like Lex said, People do love lists, and uh, and there there are some folks chasing really hard. Personally, um, I like digging into the details of the list. Uh, I typically run a little spreadsheet. I want to find out what people's average installation size is. I want to find out what their revenue per employee is, and <clears throat> to a certain extent, it's uh, it's cow spotting. Um, 
because you know if you can find the cows, you can find the cow patties. Okay. Because uh, uh, the business models seem to be very different. Um, you know, a company like AVISPL um, averages one hundred and eleven thousand dollars per installation. Diversified, based on their self-reported numbers, averages thirty-six thousand dollars an installation. Well, I know that's not true. Diversified does huge projects all over the world and, and does them very, very well. But what it says to me is that Diversified is doing a lot of box sales, mm. right? That there's tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars that don't impact uh, uh, actual installations. Revenue per employee is is a uh, is a similar thing. Um but it, it's, uh, yeah, I, I dig through them. I find new companies. I grieve for the companies that have fallen off or uh, off the list from year to year and been consumed. Um, I actually, uh, you know, spent a lot of years at a company that would have qualified to have been on that list. Uh, but uh, like your firm, Tim, uh, no way uh, were we giving our competitors that much information about ourselves. And I think that you, you just answered the second part of that question, right? Which is why would someone choose not to? Absolutely. Right. Uh, not that the list is important and we'll get to Mark in a second, but because it does make great marketing, right? Um, and we, we mentioned the fact, Brock mentioned the fact that some folks are, are not on that list. One I'll point out that was consistently on that was HB Communications, it's, which was the most recent um, acquisition that, that Diversified made. Um, that if, if, if revenue was the same year to year, that's why, that's kind of why I said diversified should have been pushed over a bit over a billion and most likely they'll make it next year. Right. Uh, they'll, they'll make a billion next year. So, um, Mark, we'll bring you in on this. I kind of half jokingly, you did not make this list. You, you were brought in as it was kind of being made. Um, but one thing that I want to look at for, for a second is the, 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 the spread here, right? You have basically roughly. $990 million between number one and number 50. You have a great um, uh, spread between number one and number five, quite frankly, right? It's once you get down to that, that five level, you've got, you know, the, you're, then you're getting to the hundreds of millions and, and, and below. Brock mentioned also the, the, the business model. The top two are, are private equity, right? And then you've got um, you know, AVI Systems is, is, is employee-owned, right? Um, so you've got a couple different business models here. What do you make of that, that spread between the billion, 1.1 billion, right, down to 10 million, and, and the fact that we've got 50 different companies in that, in that, in that uh, spread? Well, I think it's a good question. And one thing I, I think it's always important to note, and something both you and Brock have brought up, is the fact that not everybody participates. I, I, you know, before I took this job, I was in PR and one of my clients was a systems integrator. And for years, I could not get them to get on this list. They didn't want to share their information. Finally, they did. And then I got this gig. So but that, that worked out nicely. It, it, I it didn't, did. I didn't, that wasn't me, but they, they finally agreed to, to share their information. But the fact is a lot of companies aren't on this list because a lot of companies don't want to share that financial information. Again, this is all on the honor system. We're not, they're not going to let me go through the books. It'd be cool if they did. It would but, be really cool. <laughs> but they're not going to let me do that. They're not going to, and uh, so it's, it's all on the honor if, system. If they ever let you, that's a different conversation and we're going to have an entire episode on that. Oh, we're going to have a good time. 
That'll be that, that'll be a fun time. But the, but the fact is, a lot of people just aren't going to share that kind of information. So when you go from one to fifty and you see that jump from a billion down to ten million, it's not that it's not that dramatic between one and fifty because there's a whole lot more between number two and forty nine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Next story uh, comes to us. Uh, Zoom uh, announced this week an auto update feature for Mac OS and Windows machines. It, this uh, does not. This update does not support Linux currently. Um, I don't know why Zoom hates Linux, or maybe they just, they just hate penguins. Um, this that's an, a geek joke, kids. Um, this allows uh, for machines to keep up uh, with their so- their software up to date for security and features. Um, for individual users, it's available. It will be on by default, and I'm going to touch on that in a second. Uh, but for enterprise customers, those features are managed by your IT team. Brock, um, we're getting more and more into software and cloud-based systems when it comes to things that are uh, feeding into AV systems or things that are, are connected to the AV systems or providing mission-critical uh, components of AV systems. What are the dangers and then what are the benefits of things like auto-update, regardless of whether it's for feature sets or it's for security reasons? They start jacking around with, with the software here and they change something and suddenly X doesn't talk to Y anymore. Right, um, talking with somebody about about Microsoft uh, about a week or so ago, and some of the updates that they do, like with their OS, that sometimes jacks with Teams, and that's a system that they own both of, right? <laughs> Let alone you know making sure that that your software codec talks with your your UC device. So what are the dangers, but also what are the benefits of this? Well, I'm hoping that uh, Mark or Lex can come up with benefits. <laughs> uh, because uh, okay, uh, because I don't think I'd sign a EULA that forced me to take an auto update. Okay. Um, it, they're uh, they're a pox, and uh, not every update that a manufacturer thinks is important um, uh, or a, a software company is important to a user. Uh, what is important to users in audiovisual are stable systems, and uh, and and. You know, a, a typical system uh, might have programmable devices from three or four or five different vendors, and somebody pushes an update, um, and it 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 breaks the system. The um, the other part of it is uh, is just the inconvenience. When does an auto update load? An auto update loads when you go to use that software. It doesn't load in the middle of the night. It doesn't load in the background. Um, I play a Thursday night poker game. I missed the first game last night, or most of the first game, because my poker app needed an auto-update, which crashed the app, forced me to shut my system down, and then reload an app, an app that I've, I've had for a long time. So uh, the good part about that is that I lost less than I usually do. Um, but uh, but I, I, am, uh, I, I think auto-updates uh, are a pox. But that could just be me. That, I, I don't think it is. I, and I, I'm, I'm, I don't give my opinion much on this show, but I would agree with you in, in for the vast majority of it. Um, Mr. Pescatore, uh, take a look at this. And, and, and when you look at, at you know, auto-updates and, and making sure that systems are running and, and, and you know, they're up, who is taking responsibility for the security and for the, you know, I guess the continued functionality of these systems? It's funny you say that because I have to go back to my production days, and I remember we'd have a, we'd have a, a you know something that ran via computer, and you're sitting there going, why are you still using 
Windows 95 or something like that. You know, it's, it's been updated several times. Then Why is that? And they say, because it works. Don't touch it. And that's always in the back of my mind with these auto updates is people don't want to change what works because what happens if it doesn't work when you change it? And as an integrator, Brock, I, I imagine this, this has got to drive you guys nuts because suddenly out of nowhere, you know, customer B is saying, we didn't do a thing. I swear we didn't do a thing. We just updated dot, 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 mm -hmm. and everything falls apart, right? Yeah, we had 34 Air Medias week before last go down in an installation <laughs> because of a, an IT change um, that uh, <clears throat> uh, they wanted us to come in and, uh, of course, fix for free. Uh, it, it just, yeah, it's awful. Yeah, you, Lex, you get to fix what just got fixed. Yeah. Lex, do yeah. you allow auto updates in your classrooms? I believe right now from what I've heard, um, we do not have auto updates, but it is hard for us to update all of them for some reason because of security and integration and all of that. Um, so we were having an issue with it, us needing to update and it wouldn't update. So me personally, just personally, aside from USC, I love auto updates. The new iPhone update today was so cool. Um, so I always think it's fun because I love new technology and I love figuring out the new features. Um, but I would say, just like you said, Brock, like in the classroom, we need something that's steady and that new users, like faculty and teachers, they don't want to come in and just have a new thing um, and have to figure out in front of class. You know, I had the luxury of being in bed, looking at my new update and looking at the new features, whereas, you know, they're in the middle of, you know, at the beginning of their class and they want to just teach and um, get on with their lesson plan. So I, I see it as being quite problematic for the school environment, but um, it is exciting because we love updates and we love um, because usually updates are based on feedback and customer feedback is important and listening to that feedback and making it better. Um, I mean, imagine if we still had Skype, like Zoom is just already so much better based on feedback and ways we wanted to make it better. So, um, but I would love a little more transparency from them to integrators. Like Zoom is already such a huge element in today's work environment and so is teams um so why aren't they working with the very technologies um with the companies that support their technology in universities in all these workplaces there should be like a place where they can you know read about the updates coming up so maybe they can be on the front end of it and um, be able to make sure all of it's seamless but you know that's just i feel like that's dreaming but That'd be really cool if, if we had a central sort of communication there. I don't think it's dreaming because there, there are partner programs, right? So you, mm -hmm. uh, we, we've, we've covered stories like this before where this manufacturer or that manufacturer is Zoom certified, right? Okay, um, whereas, and they get updates? Teams, and, well, and they, they, get, they get kind of in the back end and they get some, some, some vision, but that doesn't help when... I, either they, the company, the software company is moving too fast, right, because it's a security issue, um, mm -hmm. or they don't let them know everything, and then they, they push it out, right? So that's where, yeah. you know, hardware manufacturers, they do need to have a little bit of, of uh, flexibility to, okay, now, they've got the patch now. Now let's put it through the paces. Now let's put it through the hardware paces and adjust mm -hmm. anything so they can do firmware updates when you do the software update. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
All right, uh, speaking of hardware manufacturers, Poly has unveiled a report detailing their view of the new workplace in 2022. Uh, the three main predictions are anytime working, which I find fascinating, uh, and as opposed to nine to five, right? So anytime, any, you know, and then the, the next part of that is anywhere working, so work, working um, anywhere you want. And then an increase in quote unquote polymorphic offices that lean more on tools, not toys. Now, besides the fact that Polly decided to use the term polymorphic, which is good on them, <laughs> yo, great marketing. Um, you know that that really, really but what, what they're really talking about is this is workspaces that allow for an increase uh, in flexibility, not just in the number of workers, but also kind of in in, in the types of connectivity that that you uh, that you want to do. Mark, we'll start with you on this. Um, when it comes to Polly's report, what else can we look at? What else, I mean, what else do we, we see coming down the pipeline as we ostensibly get out of COVID? And I will continue saying that until we are out of COVID, Omni, Mani, Chrome, notwithstanding, you know, um, you know, we are going to get out of this. We will be get back to work, uh, but it will be different, right? So what else do we see coming down? Well, they're talking about these, these working at different times and not working within the typical nine to five workday. I, as someone who's worked from home for 20 years, I call that Tuesday. I mean, this is not a this is not a new or exciting development. So you and David Danto, I swear, are brothers, right? Because he's been doing this. He's been saying the same thing. I've been working at home for 20 years. This is nothing new. Sorry, go ahead. It's, it is nothing for those of us who have been working from home as long as we have. Now, for some people, this this sudden change to a hybrid workplace was. Oh my gosh, this is wonderful. This is the greatest thing. Oh, you know, I think I'll take a nap. You know, they're learning about all these different things they can do. But what I've found is that for the most part, if you're working from home, you're working more hours than you're than you are in the office. You really are, I think, because I know what happens to me. Cook dinner and uh, go, okay, guys, I'm just gonna just gonna check my email one more time, and then I come out 90 minutes later uh, because. That's the nature of working from home. So I, I don't really see that as something new. I, I think what's interesting is that so many more people are going to do that and realize there are benefits to working from home, but there are also, uh, there are also detriments to working from home. All right. Lex, I'm, I'm going to pick on you for two different reasons. First of all, Lex also works from home now, uh, right? And, but but from, that, from that aspect, you know, what do you see? Uh, in addition to that, what do you see this whole and I, I love the term polymorphic besides the fact that Polly used it. I just think it's a cool word. Um, do you see that impacting the classroom or education in any way, shape or form? Or is that going to be, y'all got to come back to the classroom so I can stand in front of the lecture hall and I can use the chalkboard and that's just how it's going to be. Oh gosh. Um, I would say from the university standpoint, I think a lot of people are still, um, kind of stuck on the being in person thing. And a lot of there's, there's kind of two parties. And one party is your education is not as good unless you're in the classrooms. And then the other party is your education's fine anywhere. And now more than ever, hybrid education or fully virtual education is just as good as in home or as university education it allows that um, for people to pick. Um, in universities, I think a lot of people have to come to terms with being open to both sides and communicating that. If if everybody isn't on board, I don't think it's gonna work as well as it needs to work. So 
Um, I think there needs to be more education for teachers on how to um, properly teach a hybrid classroom because it is a little bit different. There are different features that um, need to be thought of and um, and different things that need to be accommodated for. So I think um, hopefully in, you know, when they're getting their credentials or whatever for teaching and becoming a professor, I, I hope that that's a regular part of the education uh, because as much as we can provide technology, um, it comes to the art of teaching. And I think um, we've solidified the in-person lecture, but I think we really need to um, learn the hybrid about the hybrid environment. So that's for the university point of view. And then um, from the working home point of view, I think it's really exciting. Just kind of like Mark said, I'm just learning about um, being able to be like, I guess I'll, I could take a nap right now. <laughs> you know, like I'm not, I'm still getting my work done. The second person has mentioned taking a nap. McKenna. We're very sleepy. We are very sleepy people in the AVM. <laughs> I don't, well, when you're at home, you're comfy. You're like, why not? No, I don't usually nap. I um, go to the gym in the middle of the day. There we and go. then I feel guilty because I'm like, if I was at work, I wouldn't be able to do this. But then... You know, like I woke up early and I walked from bed to here. I didn't do any, you know, and I worked and I didn't do any of the traveling and all that. So it's like it equals out in the end, but it is weird seeing that flexibility, but it is very cool. Um, in the article, it talks about how a lot of people are going to openly look for other jobs if workplaces don't offer a hybrid environment. And um, I mean, I'm totally agree. I would be in that ballpark, too. It just some things work for some people and some pe some um, ways of working doesn't work for others. So I think it's important to have both and realize that people can be just as productive. I, I wonder, though, you, you mentioned about the teachers with the, with the hybrid environment. Are your are your instructors struggling with that? Um, I think at the beginning, of course, I'm not in these classrooms, but from what I've heard and what also a little bit of some assumptions, um, I think people are very used to, you know, like these teachers will have this curriculum and this lesson plan that they have for a semester planned out and they've been teaching this class for 20 years. Sure. Right. And so you update that, but then it's still a little bit different because now it'd, it'd be nice to have not just you writing on a chalkboard or a whiteboard, but a, a digital element to it. For students, um, being able to um, accommodate students who are sick and can still attend a classroom when otherwise they wouldn't be able to like come in and like there's like a no missing attendance policy and like it just it works differently um, these days. So I think I think they're rediscovering how to do that. And um, I just think it's a little bit sad because I don't think every teacher is excited about the hybrid environment. So when you're not excited about something, how willing are you? to make it change and um, make a really good change to adapt to it. That's a little bit hard. So trying to keep it as exciting as possible for the professors and really um, show them all the opportunities we have there. It's getting better, but I think there are some who just don't like the change and some people who are excited about the change. And um, hopefully we get everyone on board. All right. Mr. McGinnis, you have the last word on this. How do you design for this? How do you design and, and sell this? Um, when it comes to the, these new um, polymorphic spaces, um, you know, when, you know when, when you have to account for every possible, possible connection, I guess. Uh, no, you don't. Um, okay. We, uh, you know, as an industry, we, we made that mistake for years, um, giving users 
19 different options how they could use any given facility and as a result uh you know floors uh were were like uh cheesecloth with all the the floor box connections in it and 96 way matrix switchers and way too complicated um the uh the the as i understood the polymorphic is that um offices are going to be used differently right this is um this is a the 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 keyword is not the poly it's the morph uh this is not a desk that i'm going to go and and sit down at uh every you know every day uh from 9 to 5 um, sometimes that's going to be a meeting room. Uh, sometimes it's going to be a, a personal focus workspace. Um, but I think that, uh, it, and, it, and certainly the, the clients that I've been speaking with, um, it's about having a lot more open spaces uh, that can be used for a large group, a combination of small groups, uh, or just lounging. Um, like uh, people being able to work in a comfortable mode rather than, you know, here at the keyboard, at your desk. Um, the uh, uh, Once you get used to working at a Starbucks uh, or uh, or working at Lex's gym, um, uh, the, the office seems almost too structured and a, a place where creativity and real live human-to-human communication might be squashed a bit. Um, well... Just like you said, mine also, I just want to add in real quick, is dressing. I get to dress really comfortably, and that makes me happiest. I am more creative, period, than when I'm in a suit Yeah, at work. Oh, yeah. Wearing pants really bugs me now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Please do not move the camera. Please no. do not move <laughs> Please the camera. These are, but, Tim, these are fascinating times. Uh, you know, be, because I, I started my, my work career with a tie yeah. and, uh, and I, I wore a tie every day and, and, you know, this, the evolution through just, just giving up the tie was, was freeing. And now being able to give up pants is just, it's spectacular, but, um, <laughs> but we have to, we have to make the office space both comfortable for folks, uh, and give them a real strong reason to want to work there. Um, I have a client in the accounting world, um, and uh, they employ a lot of people between 22 and 32, right? The, the actual bulk of their workforce, they're, they're a bit like a puppy mill. They're hiring all the time. They're training all the time. They're working people through. Um, that employee group is very strongly telling them that they want to come back to the office. They want the social aspect. They want to get out of the condo that they share with three other people. They want to get out of mom's basement, um, and uh, uh, and they want the 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 energy uh, and um, uh, and the other aspects of just of of working as part of a team and working with a group. So um, so these are the things that we're designing for. And even uh, you know we had our first in person lunch and learn this week. Oh, wow. uh, on uh, on Wednesday, but we did not gather in a boardroom. We have a great big showroom, and we sat around on comfy couches. Um, there's a can I say big ass on TV? Uh, sure. There's there's a big ass LED wall uh, at the end. Uh, everybody was six, eight, ten feet apart. Uh, people had had lots of space, comfortable. There was no dress code, Lex, uh, and uh, 
uh, and nobody went home after lunch. Everybody stayed around and talked uh, because we've so missed the water cooler uh, and the collaboration and and that personal touch, getting caught up on people's kids and uh, you know and and what they think about uh, their football team and and all this kind of stuff that that there's no time for generally um, on uh, on structured Zoom and Teams calls. So um, yeah, Polly is going to be mean it's it, the uh, a workplace is going to be look very different uh, to different people at different times all right that'll be a good place to stop thank you all so much lex peters from usc and ripple studio how do people connect with you ma'am at nice when lex on twitter mr mcginnis thank you sir as always how do people connect with you or nationwide um at brock mcginnis on twitter is great uh, and uh generally you can find me just google and i'm i'm there somewhere don't Google me. Don't Google. My name is like a stripper and a volleyball player. <laughs> right. I don't really come up. Oh, that's Google. beach volleyball. Just really quickly, it's two separate people? Yeah. Okay. Just I didn't know if it was a stripper and volleyball stripper player. Stripper volleyball player. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No. Two different people, but yeah, the, definitely the not that, me. That's the fact that Brock's so. not wearing pants has still got me. All right. I'm just going to just put <laughs> um, Mr. Pescatori, thank you, sir. And congratulations again on, on the gig at SCN. Uh, how do people connect with you? Actually, we'd love it if they connected with us on LinkedIn. We have a brand new systems contractor news page. And, and by the way, um, this is a, a vertical stripe industry. I don't know where you've come from, but the uh, so if you're if you're not watching uh, not watching the video, uh, Mr. Pescatori has a horizontal striped sweater, uh, whereas Brock and I, uh, I apparently, are, we're following the rules, and we are those, those horizontal vertical. scroll lines are just not. Good. I was worried about the ziggies, man. Yeah, I was worried about the success. Right. Uh, um, I, I mentioned the fact that, that you can catch Mark and I this week, uh, this Thursday, actually, uh, on the AV Network Nation uh, virtual event. You can get uh, hang out with us, you know, uh, and some really, really smart people. For me, for Tim Albright, don't follow me on the Twitters because uh, I legitimately am just, just it's it's Bears season and it's just horrible. Uh, but go by the website if you would please, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. And by the time this post, Monday morning, uh, the AV Nation Annual Reader's Choice Awards nomination process will be open. Uh, so here's how you do that. This is what, how it works. Um, you go to um, avnation.com uh, forward slash avnation-best-of-2021-awards. Or you're just going to go to this episode's page and Mitchell's going to put a link. There you go. So um, you are going to nominate whoever you want for whatever you want. Uh, the top eight nominations will go into a uh, battle royale the first of January, uh, and it'll be a round robin uh, voting process. So here are the the, uh, the categories for this year: best virtual event of 2021, uh, digital signage technologies, projection technology, to UCC technology, AV uh, AV accessory, uh, best microphone or mic technology, speaker or speaker technology, AV distribution, AV over IP, mounting technology, tech support. AV education, uh, we also have two new categories, the best uh, stadium innovation uh, and the best AV project. And of course, um, the AV Nation AV Professional of the Year. Um, Mr. Neto has won, uh, Mr. Joe Way has won, uh, our buddy um, from Ireland has won as well. So um, uh, take, a, take a look and nominate whomever you'd like. You can nominate Brock, you can nominate Lex, you can nominate Mark, you can nominate anybody. The only if I won that one, 
be so confusing. <laughs> um, the only person you can't nominate is me. And I guess technically you could nominate me, but it doesn't it doesn't matter. Uh, I will not be up there. So I think uh, we need a new award this year, Tim. For what? Actually has stock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure how how uh, how snarky I want to get, so um but uh, but yeah, so you've got so uh, Neto's won twice, Justin Dawson's won once, and and, and Joe's won once. Joey's won once. Uh, so you know what? Let, let's get a woman up. There. Actually, nominate nothing but women for this award. Okay. <gasps> Amazing idea. Nominate nothing but women. Oh my gosh, so many fantastic women. I don't know. Mark Coxon has been waiting his turn very patiently. He's not a woman. He'd give though. it up for a woman. He's not a woman. I mean, no. he's pretty. He he's, Mark's pretty, but he's not a woman. That's and I just said that while I'm recording. So, hey, what are you? But, but is he a stripper volleyball player? He could yeah, be. That's, you know, <laughs> he's kind of tall. He's kind of tall. And, and he could totally. He could be if he, he wanted could be to be. If he wanted to be, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So, yeah, go by the website. I've gotten myself enough trouble now. Uh, Aviation.tv. Uh, it's Aviation.tv. Find this, find the awards, nominate whoever you want. Uh, find our other podcasts as well. So, all that and more at avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.